Cool 97.7 Radio. Singles live on the nation's coolest Cool 97 FM. So let's delve into tonight's conversation. Dr. Milton Hardy is with us. And tonight we're going to be looking at labor. <laughs> Trace says, shaking his head over there. If you're joining us via Mixelar, thank you so much. Amarhu, I see. Is that a statement? Is that a question? <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for those persons who are listening via the radio. Thank you as always for keeping Cool 97 FM in your ear. So, once again, Dr. Hardy, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Your mic is a little bit, yeah, push it up a little bit more, Dre, yeah. Is that any better? Very much better. Okay. All right. So tonight we're going to be talking about labor and um, <clears throat> as in having a baby. Yes. That happy, very, very happy moment. Yes, indeed it is. Yes. That moment that a <clears throat> lot of ladies um, have waited for some nine months, some before that. Um, that very joyous moment. It can be a very trying and fearful moment. Um, but nonetheless, we're going to be delving into that. So if you are um, hoping to, on route to, um, like Dre, in the near future to become a mother or a father, then uh, this is the show for you. So as always, we'll start out with uh, Dr. Hardy giving us uh, a, a definition. So he'll look at it, it give us the uh, medical definition. And then, you know, we always ask for the layman's definition. So Dr. Hardy, define labor as in pregnancy for our listeners. Yes, labor is the occurrence of regular, painful uterine contractions which leads to the dilatation and effacement. And what is this effacement? The taking up of the cervix so that a normal delivery can take place in a patient who is of low risk, healthy baby before and after delivery, and the delivery of the placenta and other products of conception without any occurrence of a complication. Mm. That, that, that's how the World Health Organization defines it. Defines it. Mm. <coughs> you know, there's one word that you um, you used, and a lot of women and even men, when they hear of it, they're like, boy, there's nothing. And you hear it from, the, I've been hearing it from the day that I was born up until now, where it is said that <coughs> there's no pain on the face of this earth that can compare to um, but they call in a Jamaica we say baby pain. That's not true. I don't know, Doc. <laughs> I, I don't know. True. I don't know. If you if you are passing a stone, mm-hmm. I can diagnose it in a man or a woman without even talking to them. They will roll on the floor. So that that is that is that is worse or equivalent. It is worse. It is worse than labor pain. And people who have had both will attest to it. Okay. 
So that's not quite true. Labour pains might be almost the worst, but it certainly isn't. And does it vary in terms of, let us look at labour pain and then we'll move on to some other, um, another question. Um, just like um, the period pain. Does it vary from from women to women? It does. So it does. I may have what is considered to be mild, and somebody yes. may be in the middle, and somebody may be way up to the extreme. Indeed, and there are there are many variables, you know, because you have to factor in things like patients, or no, I, I keep saying this word patient. Labor is a normal process, so you're not really a patient. People. Mm-hmm. may have different levels of pain threshold. So you may actually be having strong pains, you know, but because your tolerance for pain is so good, you will probably cope better than somebody else who is probably more finicky and just can't take any discomfort at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, many variables are involved. There might even be cultural variables, because in some cultures, pains are accepted in many aspects of life. And this sometimes transfers itself to the population at hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I get that. Uh, so now let us move and look at the at the different <coughs> stages of labor and what can be considered um, too long of a labor. For example, you hear women who says that they have been feeling pain for two, three days, or maybe even more. Um, let us let, let let us start by by looking at the stages, and then we can move into you answering that question in terms of the duration of time and what is what what is normal and what becomes abnormal. All right. Well, labor consists of three phases. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I see now where some people are trying to add a fourth, but um, it is three phases three stages. You have the initial stage, which begins from the onset of your labor to full dilatation of the cervix. That is to say that the cervix is now fully dilated, 10 centimeters in diameter dilatation, and the lady is now going into what is called the second stage. The local people call it the pushing stage of labor. And this is where the fetus now descends through the birth canal to the perineum, which is the outer extremity of the female genitalia, the head starting to show and all that sort of thing. And it goes on until the baby is delivered, at which point you have the beginning of the third stage of labor. And during this phase, after the baby has been delivered, you have the delivery of the placenta and other products of conception, that is the membranes and and the bleeding that uh, goes along with it. Mm -hmm. Some people are now talking about a fourth stage, you know. Uh, I guess in medicine, everybody tries to get their names onto something. (laughs) (laughs) 
So people are referring to things like the bleeding and the contraction of the uterus, things which we would consider to be the, the beginning of the puerperium, which is the, the, the time after the completion of the delivery. And if you notice, I said completion. That is placenta and membranes and everybody come out already, mm -hmm. you know. But essentially it's three stages. Mm -hmm. um, in someone having a baby for the first time, um, the first... This, the, the, no, all three stages of labor should run you about 18 hours. Anywhere from 12 to 18 hours. Um... In subsequent deliveries, the times are usually shorter. And all my pronouncements are deliberate. I said usually deliberately, because sometimes it isn't. But they're usually shorter in a normal labor by about a half. So in other pregnancies, the time could very well be uh, six to nine hours. That would be what would be expected to be the norm. You can even have um, a very short labor. Um, well, what, would, what would be considered a short labor? Good question, Dre. Less than three hours, and we have a name for it. It's called precipitate labor, and it is not a good thing. Uh, prolonged labor certainly would be labor going more than 20 hours. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. You hear me say, mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> One whole day or some. Mm -mm. No siree. No, yeah, no siree, Bob. What a bomb, bomb. <laughs> I, I guess that was an appropriate song. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> Maybe you should play it again. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> So, but, Doc, in terms of um, moving beyond 20 hours, after that, isn't the, 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 the doctor um, getting ready to make another um, call to say this is not happening? What happens after that threshold? Well, after such a prolonged time, mm -hmm. um, one has to assess the situation with the options if you actually believe that um, a vaginal delivery is possible, then you could be put into a situation where you won. Well, first of all, in going through labor, you should have been dealing with the patient's pain requirements, uh, giving appropriate pain treatments. And again, again, this is deliberate pain treatments because sometimes pain treatments may be natural or by giving medications, you certainly should have been taking care of their fluid requirements because labor is a process during which you're not going to be allowed to eat. So the patients tend to become, or the individuals tend to become dry mm -hmm. or hungry. And so you may have to pay attention to their fluid management. And you, in the process, you slip in some carbohydrates as well, some dextrose in the in the drip, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but having having gone beyond the normal time that you're expected to deliver, 
you you are then forced to one are you going to augment this patient and what do we mean by augmentation to give medications that will help to cause the womb to contract maybe the womb has not been contracting efficiently and we refer to that as ineffectual uterine contractions um, so you, you you may do that plus or minus a cesarean section you may you may go directly to doing a cesarean section maybe the patient has failed to progress in labor and um, how do you make this determination by doing a vaginal examination to assess the state of dilatation of the cervix of this particular patient if the cervix is not dilating um, adequately you may want to figure out why um, failure to come up with any determination as to why not you certainly would um, try augmentation for a predetermined amount of time and you would do what we call active management of the patient and see what happens over the next four hours if conditions remain favorable during that four hours and what I mean by by um, conditions remaining favorable is the baby still all right mm-hmm. is mommy still all right and at the end of, and at the end of that um, prescribed period you have to make a determination as to whether or not delivery is going to be imminent or not because if it is not then you certainly should go to theater Singles live on the Nation School at School 97FM. Um, Fresh Fluffy Diva, how are you doing? Uh, <laughs> uh, gracious, 20 hours, my three labor never m- even made, um, labors never even made 10 hours. Wonderful. One, yes, wonderful. And she says, Fresh Fluffy Diva says, AJ asked Doc if healthy eating and exercising during pregnancy helps in a timely delivery. Uh, and that's not difficult to answer. Yeah. Healthy eating and good living is an asset in anything in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, the answer to that is yes. Okay, and Marhu is saying, um, FFD, Mishula called me blessing. They said I was in labor from in the morning, but I never felt pain until 5 p.m. and only for three hours. Yes. So the very variables. The variables. Plus you yes. have various phases. You have to, there are two phases of the first stage of labor. You have the latent phase and you have the active phase. And obviously her latent phase served her very well it lasted long mm-hmm. it did what it was supposed to do and what is it supposed to do dilate the cervix up to about four centimeters and also cause the effacement that is the taking up of the cervix to occur so when she got active it was cool it was cool sneezing because during the active phase of labor the patients could deliver at a rate of more than one point, dilate for more than a rate of 1.5 centimeters per hour. Per hour. And mm. you need to go up to 10. You need to get to 10. Yeah, so what if you stop at 8? You're not fully dilated. So you have to wait it out? Well, you would continue to assess the patient 
and if for whatever means you can't pass it, maybe there's a problem. We certainly would call that failure to progress in labor. Mm-hmm. The section of that patient. Mm-hmm. See, labor is a natural process, you know, and if it is not going as it should, maybe there's something wrong. And lots of times we might not necessarily find out what is going wrong. But based on the parameters of the of your checks, the patient isn't progressing towards delivery. So you know what to do. Correct. So let us move and let me ask this question. How is labor diagnosed? Because you may have, just like in any race, you have some false starts, right? Yes, yes. And you pack up your little bags and you run to the, <laughs> to the, to the hospital and the doctor say, go back home, you're, you're, you're not in labor. How do you diagnose labor? All right, good question. Um, the hallmark to the diagnosis of labor, you know, is to have your contractions which are coming at more Maybe frequent more three minutes apart or something like that. More, more, more frequent more frequent um, in occurrence and longer in duration. Mm. Uh, uh, Paul and uh, are you in a watch movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. AJ, all my, my knowledge on this subject and you know, on this topic is just strictly movie based. Yeah I know that's why I'm looking at you that's why I had to pause for a minute. <laughs> Continue, Doc. <laughs> yes, dilatation, you know, certainly is the hallmark. But there, there are other things you look, you're going to look out for because some patients may have what we call a show, and this may occur a few days before the pains begin. This is the passage of a, the mucus plug from the cervix, mm-hmm. and it is sometimes blood-stained. The patient may even rupture their membranes without pain. And if that happens, you'll get into the hospital. Because remember now, once the membranes rupture, you need to be delivered within 20, by 24 hours. Or the process of infection rises dramatically. So you must go in, and if there are no pains, the doctor have to give you pain. Induced. Using medication, yeah. that is correct. That is called that is, that is considered inducing Induce or in- augmentation. Okay. I, I would prefer to say. Mm-hmm. You know, so that in a nutshell is how labor is diagnosed by the regular um, painful contractions of the uterus, resulting in dilatation and, and defacement of the cervix. Um, the pains are usually ex- expected to come more frequently than every 10 minutes, eh? Mm-hmm. Jerry was saying something about three over there. <laughs> uh, that would be in your late first stage. You know, you're going up now to the active phase of labor. Mm-hmm. Oh, so something goes on then. Okay. All right. Something really goes on. Mm, you're running through the hospital door and you're driving in traffic. Since as you're in the movie zone and you're driving in yeah, traffic you fast. See, you doubt the movie knowledge in the age. You realize, you know. I don't know, the movie now, but I paint that scenario for you. So mm. by the time you read three minutes apart, eh, almost born in the taxi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Yes, dog. So, um, question that I want to ask, though. Um, the, the, 
once again back to Dre's um, scenarios of in the movies when they hear women saying oh my water just broke mm-hmm. right my what does that happen in every case no it doesn't it will not happen in every case but just in case it does mm-hmm. that is your cue to, to go to the to hospital, hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, even though you're not feeling any pains and it is your cue to go to the hospital at any time during the pregnancy. Because that can happen at any time during the pregnancy. Any time during the pregnancy. Okay, okay. Just wanted to make that absolutely clear. Yeah. Yes. Um, are there any other um, diagnoses that you're going in labor? Uh, some ladies um, will notice what we call um, lightning. Lightning, not lightning. <laughs> Whereby the it tends to descend as the pregnancy advances. Mm-hmm. You already know the age of the pregnancy, so you know that you're close to term. But there's a little problem in our population because in other populations, and I'm talking non-black populations, where engagement of the head, which is the entry of the by parietal diameter. That is the diameter of the two parietal bones, which are bones on the lateral side of the head, on both sides of the head, enters the pelvis. This might not happen in a black woman until she goes into labor. Because, and this is because of the high angle of pelvic inclination of the, of the female pelvis in the black woman. So, you know, it, 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 it will account for the nice bottoms our ladies have. Eh? <laughs> mm. but, that is good. <laughs> but the baby you now has to negotiate a bend. Mm-hmm. So you may not get engagement in a black woman before she goes into labor. But this so-called lightning does exist. And you get, the, you get this fall of the, um, of the fetus at this time it still isn't labor but it certainly would um, give you a clue that something that, is a, that, is that, something. that labor will be imminent soon soon <laughs> yes the belly kind of look low belly, belly drop the yes. belly drop yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes the belly no 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 the belly drop man yeah you soon have the baby there Mm-hmm. So that is another one, and I'm I'm sure that uh, ladies we have heard that term before. Um, all right, well, let me ask this question because we're gearing up to take a break. Good for you, Marhu. Me too. I went to the g- to gym to do my my light workout. I stopped the gym um, maybe a couple of days before I I I went in to have Miss Ari. All right, so I can relate to that. Marhu is saying, Doc, what are your thoughts on having a patient laying on her back as opposed to squatting to deliver the baby? Hold that thought, Dr. Hardy. We're going to take a break. 
We'll be right back. Singles Live on the Nation's Coolest, Cool 97 FM. Everything you need to know about labor. Um, I hope that uh, the young ladies, they're listening in on this. So uh, for those of us who have gone through the process, just draw your, 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 your daughter, your granddaughter, your, your grandsons, and have them listen to this show. For those persons who are hoping to go into medicine, <laughs> Dr. Hardy and his wealth of information is also available to you if you listen to the podcast. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Radio. Singles Live on the Nation School at School 97 FM. And of course, tonight we're talking about labor, as in baby labor, baby pay. <laughs> Dr. Milton Hardy, OBGYN, is with us. And of course, DJ Dre is on the wheels of steel. I'm Ann Jeffrey, your producer and host for Singles Live. And so, uh, Maru was asking the question, Doc, um, about thoughts of having uh, a woman laying on her back as opposed to squatting to deliver a baby. Uh, very good question. First of all, I would prefer the patient to be lying on a side, any side. The, the books will tell you the left side, but you can't stay on, the, on one side forever. But any side will work. Mm-hmm. And I will say this on the backdrop that by lying on your back, the uterus. The, the great vessels run behind the uterus. That is your aorta and your inferior vena cava. And you can actually faint while lying down while pregnant because the womb can occlude these blood vessels. Oh, okay. So by taking the pressure off of them by lying on a side, mm-hmm. it will enhance your circulation. Secondly, by being on your back, because it's not going to happen all the time, but by being on your back, we could um, cause some reduction in the blood flow and help to slow down labor by doing that. So we certainly would prefer if you will be on a side most of the times. As to you delivering while squatting, there are several things that one has to bear in mind. One... To do that, you have to be in a facility where they are set up and have equipment for you to deliver in that position. position. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you also need to be with a physician or a deliverer who is accustomed to delivering people in that position. Mm, Never thought of that, eh? Yeah, that happens. You need somebody who is sufficiently experienced in that sort of work and also in a facility where they have the facilities for that to happen. Um, I'm not going to answer as to whether what, what, which, which is better and which is not. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it all depends on your, your circumstances. You know, you may have the facility, but you don't have anybody experienced in doing that. So, I, I, I would, al- I will always take my chances with the situation 
that the people around you know how to function mm -hmm. best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maho, I hope that uh, answers your question. So let us move into, so we're coming out of how labor is diagnosed um, and one would know as the cause of labor, the causes of labor, because it is, is it, 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 it's a natural process. Yes. So it's a process. Is it a cause or is it a process and a natural process? And is there any other um, issues that could actually cause labor? Well, one has to see labor as a process. Um, its cause is actually not known. However, there are various theories that are involved. You have the hormonal theory. You have the biochemical theory. You have the stretch theory. And they all seem to... Um, play a role in different labors. There's even the role of the baby. In the labor process. In the, whole, in the initiation of labor. Mm -hmm. Because, like in the fetus, the adrenal glands in the fetus is actually the same size as the size of the gland in an adult. These are two glands which sit on top of the kidneys. They actually put out more hormones from the adrenal gland than in the average adult person. And these have a, a, a role to play in terms of causing the placenta and even mommy for the manufacture of some of the hormones required mm -hmm. for labor. So the fetus has a role to play in this. You have the stretch theory, and this has to do with the stretching of the uterus. Um, for example, twins or patients who have extra excessive lycor, that is the, the fluid, the waters, mm -hmm. are more likely to go into premature labor because of the stretching than for other patients. And that is why sometimes doc might even sweep the lower segment of the uterus, that is to separate the membranes from its clinging to the placenta, the lower segment of the placenta, because this disruption also causes an increase in the production of one of the chemicals which leads to uterine contraction, your prostaglandins, as well as oxytocin production, the feel-good hormone which is made in your posterior pituitary gland, which also plays a big role in uterine contraction. Uh, and it's a feel-good hormone, so... Uh, <laughs> so where the feel-good part come in? I have to ask. I'm asking, where where does the feel-good part come in? <laughs> well, I, guess by, I guess by having the baby. After, when you see your beautiful child. Yes. Then that's when the feel-good hormone yes. comes in. Yes. There's a question that I wanted to ask. No, no, we're not finished yet. No. I, mm -hmm. I must finish this, this segment. Um, now, your 
you have your your hormones, estrogen and progesterone. Mm-hmm. And at the time of going into labor, there's a disruption of this ratio in that the estrogen levels rises and the progesterone, which helps to inhibit uterine contractions, diminish. So this also is one of the theories about um, you getting into labor and then your prostaglandin production increases more receptors for prostaglandins and oxytocin are made in the uterus and the posterior pituitary gland secretes more oxytocin you know so it's it's quite a process in terms of uh, let me see if I can put my trail of thoughts together in terms of what I wanted to ask because you said that the fetus has a role to, to play, play in the initiation, um, in the of, initiation labor. of labor yes. the right the hormones. right what if what if and I'm, I'm kind of moving a little bit ahead because I'm, I'm absolutely sure that we'll come up on, 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 on this um, further on down in the discussion what if the Hormones, or what was it that the the the, the, the fetus um, produce? Your steroid, your corticosteroid hormones, right from the adrenal from glands. from the adrenal gland. Uh-huh. What if there is an abnormality with the fetus on and that gland? Good question. Um, it may, and again, I say may deliberately. It may cause a prolongation of the pregnancy. It might. It might might not. But it could. Because there would now be... And 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 following your trend of thought, I'm assuming that you're alluding to a diminution of the activity of this gland. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it it could actually delay the whole process. And so this is where we move into 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 maybe um, labor not happening. Yes, labor might not happen at forty two weeks. At forty two weeks, you, you need a delivery because it's like a placenta has a shelf life, and, and and you don't really know what is the shelf life of any particular placenta. Hmm. But the placenta will start to break down now. Yes, it might just stop working. Okay. Okay. I, I, I fully understand now. So that can be a contributing factor. Not the only, but it, but, can. But it, but can. it can. It can. It can. can. It can. Is there anything else that you want to look at in that area? Uh, not really. I think we have covered it all in terms of normal labor. Because uh, there is another program for the induction of labor. That, that's a program by itself. You know. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mar, we say nothing feel well. She, I would say the same thing to where does the feel good comes in. And yes, I, I'm saying after the birth. Um, another question is there are also um, water births in pools. Yes, we have all of that if you, are, if you have the facilities for that. Fine, but I can tell you that I am not aware of any such facility here. Here. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. So <laughs> this is a big one for you in terms of managing the stages of labor. Um, 
is that question for the doctor or is it for the women in terms of how you manage? Because me don't uh-huh. know, me, me, me want to know how you so manage. Because for the women, well, so well, the, well, the doctor must know, but I'm sure the women would be cognizant of what should take, what is going to take place, you sure? what should take place. Because well, that's well, the question. No, but I'm asking how, how, in terms of managing the stages of uh, labor. Um, oh, oh, okay. Do, it, it, do I, as a woman, do I play a role and does the doctor play his role? And there is an intertwining of the roles. Um, there ought to. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to get around it nowadays with the Lamar's classes, but you may argue that what percentage of our women go to Lamar's class? And even if you go to Lamar's class, once the pain starts... You can't everything gone through the wind. That's what I was saying. How do you manage when the pain start reaching? How do you manage? All right, well, at a certain um, juncture of labor, one has to sedate the patient for, for, for many reasons, apart from making life more comfortable for them. The whole process of dilatation is more efficient if the patient is relaxed. So, you, as I, as I said before, this um, relaxation can be by natural means. For example, some people may have learned to relax during the course of the pregnancy and they may do these relaxation exercises during labor mm-hmm. some do some people might even touch not too happy about the touching actually you know because the touching would involve massaging and um, some patients they naturally massage the, the tummy from them pregnant mm-hmm. The problem with that is that massaging the uterus stimulates the uterus to contract again. So if you get too big in this rubbing your tummy, you may start to wonder why the pins are marching into each other so quickly. But you are the one stimulating it, so I'm not so keen on that. But that's one of the things that they say, um, if you read wide enough, as some of the non-medical um, sources of relaxation mm-hmm. some people might even do yoga some people may encourage you to walk around if it's feasible and if feasible means that the membranes are still intact because if you're walking around and um, the membranes are gone could have problems with the cord coming down and all that kind of things which is a, a big problem or potentially big problem um, but there are medical things we can do. So we can sit, give the patients um, pain-killing medications. And this helps to make them drowsy and also help in relaxation, which will assist dilatation. So it, it, it's a win-win situation. Um, you may give straight sedation. You may venture into epidurals. Um, the problem with epidurals, no, I, sh- I shouldn't say, uh, I, I'm exhibiting a bias. Um, but um, one of the, two of the problems with um, epidural anesthesia or analgesia, which is pain relief, is that the patients, one, they could drop their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. 
And two, they could get a headache. A massive headache. And this headache could last as long as a month. Mm-hmm, massive headache, yeah. Right. So, you know, pain relief certainly has to be addressed. Okay. Um, speaking of the epidural, what if during the labor process an epidural is administered mm-hmm. but the complications occur and the patient um, can no longer um, go through the labor process naturally but a c-section has to be done how is that addressed the epidural will will cover you oh for the cesarean for the cesarean also yeah. Okay, and so no other anesthetic wouldn't would you have to administer? You might have the top of the top epidural. Top Okay. Because okay. remember now, the patients getting the epidural, a catheter is in there. Mm-hmm. All right. Is it in the spine? It's or close to? It's around the membranes surrounding the spine. Okay. Uh, and in fact, the headaches are more common if for whatever reason the catheter has entered this protective membrane around the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the um, drawbacks, of course, with epidural anesthesia is that there's a, an increased incidence of forceps deliveries. Because if you get a good epidural, you know, we have any sensation to push when the head hits the perineum. Mm-hmm. And just by not getting the sensation, the patient just can't push efficiently. Even if you might be telling them. To push. Yeah, so you have to help them by putting on the forceps. Thank goodness for Jesus. (laughs) But in terms of the epidural, is it widely requested? Or, um, I must say, in Jamaica? I would... I would say no. Okay. I would say no. It is not common here. Mm-hmm. It's more common in places north of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not common here. <laughs> um, so we're looking at managing um, the the, yes. the the pains during the labor process, and you we eluded from the beginning beginning what happened to me now my tongue twist um, <laughs> of the show that the yeah. pain is a the, oh, eh? not in labor. no no just the thought of it just the thought of it that the pain is is almost a normal process as to why it happened we don't figure that out yet but it does happen and it helps with the um it with helps the expulsion it, yes yes because the pain comes about because of the activity of the muscles in the uterus mm-hmm. all right so you get the hypoxia that is the lack of oxygen in the muscles of the womb and this contributes to the pain of course you have the uptaking of the cervix and the um dilatation which contributes to the back pain and then you have the uterus the expanded uterus and it's now moving about so it irritates the peritoneum which is the cav which is the lining of the cavity inside the abdomen and this is what actually causes the pain you know? so like when you say ovulate and you feel a pain it is a fluid from the cyst as it splashes onto this peritoneum because it is sensitive, that causes a pain. Mm, the precursor too. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm not going to expand <laughs> on that. <laughs> it's like it's like a little test run. <laughs> yes, breathing breathing exercise. I've been told um, help um, help with um, when the contractions um, occur. Uh, yes, I can't relate to that either. But let me let me move along. So, um, is, is there any other um, ways? Um, in terms of the management of the stages of labor that we can look into? Um, if labor is progressing um, satisfactorily, there's not much more to do. Um, as I said, you're going to be paying attention to like the progress in labor, um, the requirements of the person in labor. That would be things like their fluid intake mm-hmm. and their pain relief. Of course, naturally, you're going to be monitoring them, you know, because you have to be checking on the baby's heart rate. You, you need to be cognizant of the mother's pulse, respiration, blood pressure, temperature, because all of these things come into the mix because it's a whole patient. And if you have discrepancies in any of these areas, then they have to be adequately and appropriately dealt with. Mm-hmm. So let me ask this question. I'm just going to throw this question out there. In terms of monitoring the baby's heart rate, mm-hmm. is it done all the time in all the facilities here in Jamaica? I would have to say yes, because it's supposed to be done. Now, you may not be in an institution where they may have electronic surveillance feeling that you listen to the heart rate so the, 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 so, so without the electronic um, equipment you, you, can you, just, you can listen you can listen yeah right. there's a thing called a fetal stethoscope which we all have to train on okay okay just so all of us know to use a fetal stethoscope this of course though could expand your workload if you are working alone or with not much staff in a busy maternity unit. And how often, here we go, don't thinking about the busy maternity unit and if you have uh, maybe two nurses running up and down, how how often do they actually um, or should check, especially... You should listen to the fetal heart if you're doing it manually every 15 minutes. Boy... That, so you Whoa. so you understand now the logistics. D- yes. If two people are working. Yes. In a full maternity unit. Mm-hmm. That might not happen. Mm-hmm. You answered my question. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> and then now me go sing the song again, Dre. What a bam bam. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, looking at the management of the stages of labor, let us look at the uh, contradictions, contraindications. contraindications of natural labor. All right, and but, but what do you mean by natural labor, though? I'm just troubling you. Well, if we go back to the definition that I gave, 
it, it will have it all spelt out there. Yeah, it, we know, but, but it, 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 does it become unnatural when you have the, it, with, it, with, it, with, it, with, it, um, with the pain assistance? Well, <laughs> anything which is a contraindication to normal labor mm-hmm. would also be a contraindication if you're assisting the the agony. <laughs> <laughs> And that is similar to one of our songs, eh? Mm-hmm. The, put on the agony. No, oh dear. Remember when I said the doctor, whatever, give me sin on the pain. <laughs> Don't, Dre, have I heard that before? Whatever, give me sin, sin on the pain. And when the pain lick me so, I'm just saying, that's what you hear, doc. Not my experience, but that's what you hear. <laughs> and she won't get up out of the bed and beat everybody, but yeah. Yeah, so um yeah, any reason why you should not have normal labor would also be applicable if you are actually inducing the labor. For mm-hmm. example if you're a a primary gravid patient, that is your first pregnancy and the pregnancy is breach you're a caesarean section ta-da and um, I, I know people will say all sorts of things oh the doctors want to do this because they want X, Y, or Z um, that's not really the, the, the case um, you might, and listen very carefully you might get away with delivering vaginally. With a breach? 80% of the times the patient will get away. But 20% of the times they will not. Uh, so we are having a baby, we are having a dead baby 20% of the time, so, or, or a damaged baby. But those things don't uh, happen. We don't know who is, no, we don't know who is who. So all primary gravid breaches are to be sectioned. But those, those things don't happen anymore with all not, the technology not, not, that not, we have. Not anymore. But we don't know who in the ten. Because remember, you know, when you get caught in these situations, the body of the baby is already out, you know. Yeah. It's the aftercoming head that gets trapped. Mm. So you don't have nowhere to turn, you know. Just. You're done. And, uh, you know, a a 20% um, chance of you having a problem and you can't predict where the problem will come out of this 10 is a section. Hmm. Big one there. Mm -hmm. Big one there. So, you know, I I know people say, oh, doctor, this one, doctor said that. And see, me have the baby. Mm -hmm. You got away. Remember that. And we had no way of telling whether you would get away or not. But you could have gotten caught too. Mm-hmm. And we have no way of telling that either. So, once breach, C-section. For a primary gravid patient. Me doesn't say for anybody. <laughs> primary or no primary. <laughs> I would say, this is just Anne saying this, not Dr. Hardy saying it. Me doesn't say once you hear the word breach, C section. 
um, and I'm thinking about protecting of the the, 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 the child and also the mother. Uh, my dog would say to me, we want to have a child that is capable of getting A's and B's. Indeed. Um, because you don't want that, um, that split of a second lack of oxygen and causes damage to the to brain. the to the brain and possibly fetal demise yes well. yes what do you call it cerebral palsy cerebral palsy and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. drama yeah yes so um that's another aspect of of labor anything else that we should delve into we need to delve into the break yeah, singles yeah. live on the nation school s school yeah, 97 fm to the contraindications right so we'll come back to that taking a break we'll be right back Singles live on the Nation School at School 97 FM. Tonight's topic, labor as in labor pains, as in having a beautiful baby. Yes. Um, Dr. Milton Hardy, OBGYN, is with us. So let us jump right back into the conversation. Where were we? Yeah, we're talking about contraindications to, um, to labor. Uh, we already mentioned um, the primary gravid breach presentation mm-hmm. and that is where the buttocks come first by the way for those who are not familiar with the term breach you could also have a big baby and if you assess this patient in the antenatal period and you are satisfied that this baby is big and not going to come through. You make the call. You make the call. Yeah. Because one of the problems, you know, with the big baby is not necessarily the head, you know. It's the shoulders can't come out. So again, we're in a situation with the head out. The shoulders. Uh, mm-hmm. shoulders stuck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you are satisfied that this is a big baby, I think it is reasonable for you to offer this mother an elective section. There are other reasons, of course, which are contraindications to um, a vaginal delivery. For example, patients who have had previous uterine surgery. That is, you have had fibroids removed. You have had a, what is called a classical caesarean section done, where the incision is made up and down in the muscular part of the uterus. Yes, they used to do that in the bad old days. Um, those patients should not have a trial of scar, that is, having a vaginal birth after a caesarean section. Lots of times that doesn't work either. So you have to end up sectioning the patient. We mentioned fibroids. A patient with an ectopic pregnancy in the cornu of the uterus. Now, ectopic pregnancies tend to 
for the most part, occurred in the tubes. It can occur in the abdomen, but that is extremely rare. If the ectopic occurs at the corner where the tube starts out from the uterus, in order to treat the patient adequately, you'll have to make a wedge incision inside the uterus. So the uterus has now been cut. Mm-hmm. That patient who has to be delivered by a cesarean section when she's delivering because she has had a coronal ectopic. Um, there is a thrust um, in the States, or there was, probably still is, for doing vaginal deliveries after a caesarean section. And we have tr- tried it here too, but um, there is the risk of uterine rupture, so which we, we have to um, take into account. So, so but these are, these are possibility. I, I personally have my bias against it, and I, I am from the school which says once a section, always a section. Always a section, mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I say this is that people don't have too many too many ch- children anymore. That, that's actually a fact. Our birth rate is actually falling. And um, if you're going to have a baby, might as well have a good baby. A baby who could get a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Because a ruptured uterus equals a dead baby plus or minus a dead mother. So, you know, I, I would want to risk that. At all. At all. At all. Of course, there are other things that can cause you to um, not have a vaginal birth. Um, you could have, for example, an infection. For example, if you have an active herpes outburst during labor, you're a section. Because 60% of these babies have a fatal neonatal brain infection uh, as a consequence of the um, baby coming down the birth canal. Mm-hmm. You know. Hmm. Hold that thought and let me read something for you. Um, <laughs> man, you know, the birth rate is already low, so yes. we don't. But we don't want to change people's minds about having babies. They're absolutely awesome, right, Dre? No. Um, but Father in Tampa says I know someone who who her son's head came out, but the shoulders were too big, so he got <clears throat> torn. Mm-hmm. And the and they broke. So the, she the, the, got torn. The collarbone. They break the collarbones, and sometimes even the hand, the upper Not hand. Yeah, because it. Yeah, yeah. You're saying because it can mend back easily. What yeah. happened? In, in, in dark. It's stuck. So you, so you have to unstuck it. So they broke. The yes, that, that sometimes has to happen. Chidre, look for me. I look for well, I say it happens, you know. I'm saying that it has to happen. Wow. Oh, well, yeah. <coughs> it, 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 I, I assume the healing process. The healing process, thankfully, is usually good. Good, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's wow. usually good. Wow. 
and then we'll be, we, we, the, the, the question. But you have problems now, you know, because the mother can get, might, could get torn up. And this tearing could involve the vagina. Could it, you could tear into the rectum, you can tear into the bladder. All sorts of drama. So it's it, it, it is a it can be untidy business because not all patients with shoulder dystocia, which is what the condition is called, will end up getting all of these insults. But it it, it does happen, and the the complication rate is not not that low. Okay, um, well, the big question, a big question. A lot of women and even men are concerned um, with this particular area in terms of the torn up vagina. Um, is it something that um, can well? It must be preventable. Is it preventable? Um, um, not necessarily if you have a shoulder dystocia, but I, um, I, I usually. I usually fix it up. <laughs> <laughs> you fix it up better than it was before. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> but that can even that can happen during the during a normal yes, it can head happen. out process. E- exactly, you can tear. And in fact, this is another bias I have because even though the books don't recommend that you do an episiotomy, which is giving a slit. To give the baby more room to come out, mm-hmm. I believe in doing the episiotomy. In that one, by giving the episiotomy, you actually can now control the direction of the tear if you get a tear. Instead of have it all I, yes, mm-hmm. that's right. so it's down. Yeah, you yes, down and to the side. Mm-hmm. If you go straight down, you could go into the anus, oh. which, which which has its own problems. Mm-hmm. And um, it also gives you the opportunity to tighten the vagina. <laughs> That's so. Uh, so that would be what, that would be considered to be the fifth stage of labor. <laughs> Fix it up, <laughs> make it better than it was before. Oh dear. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. And oh. also another um, relative contraindication, you know, is previous vaginal surgery. Because if you, for example, have done anything to enhance or rejuvenate the vagina, you don't really want to have a, a delivery going through there, one, to, e- to either tear it or to stretch it back out. Mm-hmm. You know. The other things, of course, were that you wouldn't um, have labor happening if you have a transverse lie. That is, the baby's lying across way in the uterus, you know. Uh, that, that's a cesarean section. So the, the, the big question and is, is this fact, though, that once you've had um, a, 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 a normal birth, a vaginal birth, that your, your vagina is stretched that is true so it's not what it was before that and the more babies are have this more it becomes that's a possibility in the, in fact in that um for example patients um who in later years i mean i say later years it is usually precipitated by the menopause where the um your female hormones are naturally withdrawn so the pelvic supports become even weaker 
sometime the initial um, insulting event was a vaginal delivery. Andrea Lupa, you. <laughs> Dre is looking at Dr. Hardy. <laughs> and that is one of the reasons why I think you should do the PC after me. Well, I, I'm not going. I have. I. I am. I am finished with the baby um, having thing. I. My daughter is beautiful. <clears throat> I am good. Dre is the one over there who I like scratching. <laughs> so, AJ, you have to do one more. One no. More and then I'll st- one more and then no. I'll, I'll come in. <laughs> no. No, thank you. I, I appreciate the, 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 the request, um, but no thank you. And I'm sure Dr. Hardy will um, will back me up. No, thank you. <laughs> Anything the patient wishes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe if I was ten years younger, not not going there. <laughs> no one I'm there. When I call, um, when she passed the age, I kind of pregnancy, yeah, yeah, a geriatric. <laughs> <laughs> new, 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 new. Um, any other contra in what you, what's, what's the word? Con- contraindications. Contraindications. Mm-hmm. Are there anything else that we need to look at? Placental problems. The placenta might be coming ahead of the baby. Mm-mm. That's called placenta previa. In the bad old days, those people would bleed to death as they try to deliver. So, mm-hmm. so they are cesarean sections. There are also a condition called Vasa Previa, where a blood vessel actually runs in the normal membrane, but in the way of the baby. And in fact, if you try to do a vaginal delivery, these vessels could burst. And they they do have a connection to the placenta. And you know, the placenta is the power plant to the fetus, as well as this, the um, interface for exchange of nutrients and oxygen from mother to baby. Um, what about um, patients suffering sorry. from, was it preeclampsia? Those patients, you would induce them, but there's no reason why they may, why vaginal de- delivery is contraindicated. It, it, it might be an indication for induction of labor, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is it. You know, so we just um, placental issues. Um, the cord, if the cord presents, a patient is a section, and that can happen. Can happen for no good reason. Could happen spontaneously, or it is very likely to happen in patients who are in the breach in twin pregnancies, in patients who have polyhydramnios, that is, they have a lot of waters. When, when the membranes rupture, they can get, um, they can get um, the cord prolapsing. You can go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, so that's it for um, for that. Your contraindication. Yes, falls labor or preterm labor. I think we kind of did delve into the false labor, but let us look more at uh, preterm labor. And preterm labor, even though we're not going to discuss that too much, because that could also be a, a topic by itself. By itself. But preterm labor is labor 
uterine contract, painful uterine contractions and dilatation of the cervix um, after 22 weeks. In some jurisdictions, it's a 20, but um, I, I don't think we can we can keep a baby alive before 22 weeks in our, with our facilities. With our facilities. And even that is very difficult. That only became possible when we got, um, when university got um, a chemical, a drug called surfactant, which is used for um, the maturation of the fetal lungs. Of course, these these very premature babies now have all manner of problems. That's what I was going to ask. You know, is this a eye problem? Mm-hmm. Hearing, hearing, breathing, feeding. They may have neurological problems. Mm-hmm. They may have problems with jaundice. They are more prone to infection. But if the baby comes out alive, you have to do what it takes. What you have to, yeah. Do, you know. And this, of course, preterm this preterm labor can occur anywhere from. 22 to 36 weeks, all right, completed weeks of pregnancy. And the, the big complication of preterm labor is a preterm delivery, which can now get a manifestation of all of the things we just mentioned, depending on the degree and severity of um, the prematurity. But our, 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 the survival rate of uh, preterm um, yeah, it's, it's is far, very, it's far less than a full term pregnancy, mm-hmm, naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think we do that badly. That's what I was going to say. I don't think we do that badly with our resources, you know. <laughs> it's a lot of work, though. Can you imagine having a baby in the ICU for two months? I know someone who went through that, yeah. went through that. And as a matter of fact, um, I think both her pregnancies, um, she went into preterm labor for whatever reason, I'm, you know. She could have cervical weakness. Mm-hmm, I think that was it. And all they tried to have her bed rest and sutra. Yes, it, just, it didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah. Both pregnancies, yeah. both. Yeah, that, both, hum- that happens. Both. And I watched that little... Could actually hold the babe well, not me, just by watching the nurse in the ICU with, with one hand, one hand on a little pillow, and there was there was nothing that named Pampers that could fit that little. No, not at all. Yeah, I've <laughs> never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything like that. But miracle, um, both her children survived. I guess they're big with men and women, um, man and woman now. So mm-hmm. it's a possibility. It's a possibility. The survival, um, what you call it, survival state of human beings. That's right. Yes. So anything else about preterm labor? Uh, apart from, um, well, you're trying to, you want to um, circumvent um, a delivery, but you have other problems. You could, you could get infection. The, the risk for infection is greater. In fact, you may have to induce the labor if the infection sets in. Because remember now that you have the um, prospects of the mother becoming septic. Mm-hmm. So you have to 
you have to affect the delivery because the infection is because of the rupturing of the membranes and this pregnancy. So you have to end this pregnancy and do the best you can with whatever happens after you've ended this pregnancy. Mm. Uh, complications. Let us move into uh, the clock on the wall. Is telling me that we need to kind of press a little bit of gas. Complications of labor. You hear that it can be a life and death situation. Um, and it's not something that, you know, women or even their partners take lightly. What well, what can go wrong at this supposed to be this absolutely <coughs> beautiful time of your life? Well, you know, the the commonest complication is, is still postpartum hemorrhage. Um, the patient can bleed mm-hmm. post-delivery, whether it's... C-section. It a resu- even a normal delivery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, there, there's more hemorrhaging after a normal delivery than a C-section. Really? Yes. We do more normal deliveries. And most cesarean sections, the patients don't really have a postpartum hemorrhage that we can't control. But and as I said, this looks like it's going to take another show. But what <laughs> would what would lead to um, the hemorrhage, the All postpartum right. hemorrhage? You you, you mm-hmm. call it. What would lead to that in, in terms of a normal delivery? All right, after the de- delivery, the God gave us our musculature in such a fashion that they become what we call living ligatures in that they actually shut down the blood vessels it's like tying them off when the uterus contracts after you've delivered everything sometimes and in fact it's the commonest reason for postpartum hemorrhage this doesn't happen mm-hmm. so you get what we call uterine atony where the, there's no contraction in the uterus we, we, call, we would call it tone there's no tone in the uterus you could help to restore tone simply by rubbing the uterus by the same mechanism that the patients yes, in, so in rubbing the belly yeah. have the pains marching into each other oh alright so the ut- that could stimulate uterine contraction sometimes the it could be due to reasons that the patient just have a full bladder or it could just be that for the want of a better term the, the, the womb is tired from labor um, thankfully there are drugs that we give which can cause uterine contraction, the same drugs that we use to induce labor some very likely in a higher dose though than we would use for induction of labor you could also get trauma to the uterus or the birth canal. You could have a ruptured uterus. You could have a tear in the cervix. You could have a, a tear in the vagina or the perineum. That is the outer, the outer part of your sexual organs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in that situation, you make an effort to repair these um, disruptions. Um, so you, ha- you have to examine the patient and, and ascertain why is she bleeding. She may be bleeding for more than one of those reasons I just mentioned. So not because the uterus is not contracting 
efficiently, you still have to make sure that she doesn't have a cervical tear. All right. Infection is probably, would be probably your second complication in terms of frequency. Sometimes you may have bits of the placenta left behind. You may have bits of membranes left behind. And these can also feed into not only infection, but also hemorrhage. Okay. Then you could have any other complication that might occur as a result of any condition that might be affecting um, the pregnancy. Patient, for example, you mentioned may have issues with um, elevation of the blood, blood pressure, pressure. Mm-hmm. preeclampsia, which can lead to eclampsia that is fitting, and this can occur even after the delivery of the baby. So all of these things come into play in the diabetic mother. She could develop issues postpartum. So too can the baby also in preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let us not end on that. Um, not so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jean Clark Brown is saying uh, premature girls tend to do better than boys. Um, that is, that's a statement. Let us see. Uh, she's saying clotting problems also. Um, so as we get ready to wrap things up, as I said, this is one topic that we could delve into some little branch off into many different areas. But the time is literally um, upon us. So what is, let me ask Doc, what is the future for uh, women in terms of uh, the labor process? But before that, I wanted to kind of just delve into something to just tie up a question that I'd ask if there's a, a fetal monitor or how often, um, especially in, 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 in certain institutions here in Jamaica, does, uh, they, does the monitoring of the fetus occur? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, the question that I want to ask now is the, um, the, the birth-death ratio. Has it declined dramatically? Are we doing very good in that area, or do we, need, we have some work that we need to do? We have work to do. Having said that, we have had an improvement, uh, primarily because more women do um, receive good antenatal care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and good antenatal care sometimes doesn't even require all that much, you know. What it means is that you are checked in a periodic manner. They, they make sure your blood pressures are done, your urine is checked, the rate of growth of the baby is adequate, or inadequate, but at least it will be detected detected early. Um, things like taking your antenatal vitamins, um, that, that's very important. 
for example, I personally have noticed um, a decrease in spontaneous miscarriages ever since we started giving folic acid, which is one of the vitamins we give in pregnancy on a regular basis. Um, That basically started in my time. Mm-hmm. Yes, so you up your folic acid, yeah. yes, yes. You know, so people are taking better care of themselves. They are actually having less babies, contrary to what you will hear being said on the road. The birth rate is actually falling. <laughs> That's why I wonder, hurry up and have two. <laughs> the birth rate in twenty in in twenty fifteen was two point one zero baby two point one zero babies per woman, and if you fall below two point zero eight, you could have problems sustaining your population. And the figure I just gave was for twenty fifteen. Maybe after maybe after Tuesday it's going to go up little. <laughs> so a question that I want to ask you, which is which is which is off the 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 outside of the the whole labor process. You spoke about uh, folic acid. So as an older woman, she don't need to take folic acid. No, you're not planning to have any more babies. You're moving up into menopause. No more babies. You can throw out the, the folic acid, right? As long as your dietary intake is adequate My, the short answer to that is no you, you don't have to you don't have to okay. but, but it won't hurt if you do okay okay just checking just checking but if you're hoping to yes it's it's, it's, it's actually one of the things we would give in what we call pre-pregnancy yes care. yes yes know. just take your folic acid you hear that Jerry? Remember, folic acid. Yeah, All right. Not for you, do you? <laughs> Along with your other pregnancy vitamins when you do fall pregnant. Of right. <laughs> All righty then. Is there anything else that you want to... Um, the psychological... Just, just touch you. I have to do this. The psychological effects of labor. Mm-hmm. And do, do you think that um, going into um, labor, labor for an extended period of time um, um, really predispose you to uh, post-traumatic um, symptoms? Symptoms. Um, it could, you know, it could traumatize you to that extent, yes. But thankfully, that is usually not allowed to happen anymore mm-hmm. because more and more people have been trained to do this work so a, a patient who is failing to progress w- will be recognized far earlier than it might have happened in the past alright because um, I mean things like you having for example a fistula formation what is fistula now it will be a communication between, say, the bladder and the vagina, which could have come about because of a prolonged labor and the head resting down on these structures, causing a lack of blood flow. And essentially, the tissue dies. So the two of them start communicating with each other now, so they start sending urine through the vagina. And these things don't happen anymore. So we have people who can do the work. But these things used to happen in the bad old days. 
Mm. So maybe the bad old days weren't so good after all. No, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're thankful for that uh, question. Just one final one before we wrap things up. Pregnancy, labor, and the bladder. Why is it that most of us women who have gone through a pregnancy, it's almost like your bladder don't seem to be the same as it was prior to? Um... And the answer to that is quite, quite simple. They are both in the same neighborhood. They're, they're neighbors. <laughs> Some of them wonder if I already beat, beat up, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're neighbors. So, you know, if you have a problem, you don't even have to have a problem. Just by the whole, the whole rigors of the process of labor. Labor. Mm-hmm. And the bladder will be affected. The soto is the rectum. Mm. They, they all they all compete for the same space, and since the bladder and the rectum can empty, the, the, the uterus r- remains dominant. Oh yes. All right, women. Hats off to you. Um, hats off to the women who have more than one um, baby. Um. <laughs> well, it gets easier. It's true. Uh, as you progress, you know. Yeah, more baby have them just just bloops out, so the time is the time is short. Become shorter. Yeah. So you just had uh, drop them out, so. Eh? Well, we don't want precipitate labor, you know. So uh, we don't want that either. <laughs> yes. Um, so the, one of the psychological effects to Gene is highlighting is that history of being raped can affect how the woman perceive labor. Um, being in a, and I can add some to that, um, abusive situation, um, a whole lot of other um, factors um, can also contribute how a woman perceives labor. Hearing the horror stories too. Can kind of, kind of, you know, your perception. Because I know that I won't be having any more babies. But after this piece sitting here and talking with Dr. Hardy, boy, may I tell you, may just feel some milk of heart rate just go up a while ago. Just thinking about the process and some of the things that can happen. Um, but hopefully no longer happens as we are progressing um, as a nation and uh, um, having women deliver in safe environments. Environments. Yes, and and that that is very important. Yes, I I actually recommend that you deliver in a facility where they can do a severe section. If needs. In a hurry. In a hurry. If needs be. If needs be. Um, so we're, we're, we're thankful for that. So with that, I want to say thank you so much. You see, <laughs> one whole master class of labor. And there were some other areas that we could actually delve into. But time is up on us. Yes. So yeah, I must yeah. say thank you again for coming in to enlighten and to teach us um, another awesome singles live. And I'll catch you soon.
Thank you. I wonder what you're going to come up with next. I think you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let us hope it's not a bam bam. <laughs> no, it's not a bam bam. Then I could ask a question. The question too is with 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 uh, with a lot of women. Well, I wouldn't say a lot. Let me retract that. A number of women are doing, and this is for something for you to think about as I'm looking at this ad here. Uh, with the, what you call it now, the, 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 the BBL and all different sort of thing there, right? The, those plastic surgery. How does, you don't have to answer now, me just show this out to you for future, right? Does that, um, in terms of conception, in terms of delivery, um, does that diminishes um, the chances of an, a normal labor? Um, does it hinder um, a woman becoming pregnant? That kind of thing. Just think about it. What's a BBL? <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, doctor. It's tell. not fit for airplay. Okay. No, it is. Dre, tell Doctor Hardy what BB B is it BBL? When they fix the um, so they get the breast done, then they get the lipo in the stomach, and then they mm-hmm. fix the butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's, it's so it's, it's breast, butt, and lipo. Okay. Are that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah BBL. Yeah, BBL. Yeah. BBL. Um. It shouldn't really prevent them from getting pregnant, but um, we're not sure what will be the end result of some of the work that they've already done. Oh. You know, for example, you're going to get the stretching of the abdominal muscles. But when, when you tighten up everything, where you going to get the stretch from if you carry the pregnancy? That could be an, that could be an issue. But is that in terms of the stretch theory that you spoke about? That could be an issue. So these people may have difficulty breathing, for example, during the pregnancy, more than what they normally would have, you know. But maybe they don't want to have any children anyway, so there, there goes the decline. Um, but I don't see why it would prevent them from getting pregnant. Well, in the next show we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> the side effects, <laughs> the pros and the cons of uh, plastic surgery. Um, Dr. Hardy, when it comes to reproduction and women's health. All right. Here he goes thinking. The singles live on the Nation School at School 97 FM. Cool 97. Radio.